The Water Values Podcast, Session 10. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Water Values Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're doing well today. You know, last Friday I attended the Colorado Foundation for Water Education's annual fundraiser. Now they put on a great program and I saw lots of friends and made some new ones. It really reaffirmed why I like water so much. Not that I needed a reaffirmation, but just lots of quality people there and people who are passionate about water, just like you. And so I wanted to say thank you for listening Your numbers are growing every day, and I really appreciate your continuing listenership. Or if you're tuning in for the first time, thanks for giving the Water Values Podcast a try. One thing, if you could please do for me, please take 20 seconds and rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We've received 12 ratings on iTunes, 11 five-stars, and one one one-star rating, and only one person has reviewed the podcast so far, so more reviews would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and it will also, more reviews will also help others find the Water Values Podcast and help spread the word. Now on to today's program. We are fortunate indeed today. Will Sarney, Deloitte Consulting's practice leader for Enterprise Water Strategy, joins us. I've been thoroughly impressed with our guests to date so far on the podcast, and Will continues that tradition of great guests. You'll really enjoy this interview and learning about how business approaches water as a risk and as an opportunity. Okay, you knew it was coming. So here are the disclaimers. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that thinks water issues are interesting and that public education about water issues is needed. And that includes educating myself about water issues because no one knows everything about water. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Will, thanks very much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Greatly appreciate your time. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in water? Sure. So, uh, really a pleasure to be here. It's uh, certainly my favorite topic and and dominates my my work day and uh, sometimes weekends. But uh, sure, a little bit about my background. I started my career as a hydrogeologist, so I'm a groundwater guy, and uh, spent roughly about 20 years working on water supply projects and contaminant hydrology projects in the U.S. and uh, and the Caribbean. So uh, really got hooked on water very early on, and I was fortunate I worked for a groundwater consulting firm in the New York area, and uh, that was really sort of the perfect time uh, to get hooked on water. It was a small shop, a bunch of USGS guys uh, doing big water supply projects. So it, it hooked me instantly. And uh, in a lot of ways, my career has sort of come full circle now. So I spend uh, really all my time on water-related issues. Those water-related issues, uh, I've heard some of your presentations before. It's, it's really looking at water as a business risk, right? Is that the big, the big issue you're looking at? It is. So where I sit in Deloitte Consulting is, uh, you know, I primarily focus on the commercial side. So working for private sector clients, uh, U.S. multinationals and, uh, you know, European multinationals, Asian, on uh, why water is a business issue. 
and uh, you know how they relate to water, uh, either on the risk side of the equation or the business opportunity side. Uh, but I, you know, something that you and I were talking about before is that uh, increasingly there is a demand coming from the public sector side. So at the federal level, uh, state, municipality level, uh, you know, there's increasing awareness that water scarcity impacts. Uh, certainly the commercial side, but business growth, economic development, and so on. So you're really seeing this sort of blending of issues, not just uh, from one side or the other, but really a recognition that, uh, you know, public and private sector partnerships really are needed to address water uh, risk issues and, again, business opportunities. So, um, you know, as, as we frame this as a business issue, it is primarily a, a risk associated with physical availability of water. So do you have enough water of the right quality when you need it, where you need it to run your business? Uh, is there a regulatory risk aspect of this? So, you know, what are the regulations right now? Uh, we include pricing in that discussion. And what might they look like 10 or 20 years out from now? And then also reputational risk. So how do stakeholders perceive how you're managing water or, you know, are you a steward of water? So what you can do is, is look at all those factors and uh, quantify uh, to the extent possible what that risk looks like uh, in terms of business value uh, and really sort of moving you away from just thinking about the price of water. Okay. Let's talk about the, you know, the business risk aspect of that. And when let's, let's, let's say we have a fictional company, what are they going to, what are they going to look at to try and quantify this business risk? What are the factors they're going to take into account there. Sure. So uh, let's say you're a, a U.S. multinational. You have opera- some operations in the U.S., but you're looking to uh, grow internationally. You're looking at key markets, let's say, in Asia and Africa. Uh, you've got a supply chain, and you've got consumers in you know a, a wide range of areas. So the first thing you'll want to do is, is really understand how much water you're using uh, through your direct operations. So within your four walls. So you can quantify that fairly readily. You'll also want to look at your supply chain. So if you're a beverage company or a food company, your agricultural supply chain is, is significant in the scheme of things. So how much water is going into producing, you know, barley or sugar, whatever the input might be. And then in certain instances, uh, if you're a personal care company, then your consumers use water in using your products. So if you're selling soap and shampoo, then uh, the availability of water uh, plays into that equation rather significantly. <laughs> uh, and, and that's actually a, you know, worth focusing on a little bit because this is driving innovation. Um, so really understanding water use uh, across your entire value chain is the first step, and then overlaying uh, the geographic component to it. So uh, is most of my growth going to come from water-scarce or water-stressed areas? Well, if, if that's the case, then you need a strategy to manage that going forward. Does it drive innovation in your products? Can you make shampoo that doesn't use water or less water? Things like that. Can you support barley production uh, to get that sector to uh, be more efficient and more effective in how they're using water and, and so on? And then, you know, you really take that information and, and quantify it, essentially put a dollar value on that, and then start making investment decisions based on the location of your operations or your growth strategy or your consumers, whatever it may be. So it's, um, you know, it, it, it's taking some of the uh, water scarcity mapping tools and, 
driving that to another level of thinking. Okay. That's absolutely uh, fascinating. You're bringing in the, this whole value chain and we've talked on this podcast before uh, about the energy water nexus. We're bringing into another, we're bringing into a, a, uh, into that nexus, another component, which is the food security or the food nexus. Can you talk a little bit about how those three, you know, energy, water, and food kind of relate to each other? Sure. And, you know, almost every sustainability conference you go to these days, there is at least some discussion of the energy, water, food nexus. And you're seeing uh, global organizations like the World Economic Forum uh, identify energy, water, and food nexus risk and resiliency as a, a global business issue. So it's increasingly top of mind. And the, the connectivity here is is fairly straightforward. So you need water for energy. Uh, power production, uh, for oil and gas production. Right. So it's, you know, suddenly become recognized that if you don't have enough water or there's increasing scarcity, then, well, uh, that might impact my ability to develop shale gas reserves. Or I may not have enough water uh, of the right temperature, right quantity for thermoelectric power cooling purposes. So there's this direct linkage now that's being recognized as, Again, a business issue, and, and how do you manage that, uh, you know, from a, a systems thinking perspective? And then on the agricultural side, you know, you, you need energy and you need water. And there are increasing demands for agricultural production as uh, the global population increases, you know, headed towards 9 billion people. You know, how do we produce enough food? Uh, how do we produce enough energy? How do we ensure we have enough water for uh, industrial and agricultural production, but also, you know, ecosystems? So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we mm-hmm. tend to f- talk about energy, water, and food, but what we're leaving out of the equation is ecosystems and the value that that brings to businesses and society in general and so on. So uh, a lot of discussion around the nexus right now, and uh, you're really starting to see people talk a little bit more about uh, solutions to this, this nexus and this stress, which is, you know, for example, low water footprint power production. So how do renewables fit into that equation? Uh, you know, how do you drive uh, precision, smart agriculture, you know, through drip irrigation technologies? How do you set up water funds within a watershed to promote conservation? So, um, you know, it goes back to something we talked about a little bit earlier around scarcity driving innovation. Well, you know, we're at that first stage uh, pretty much in terms of understanding the connectivity and the stress, and we're really pretty good about innovating. So, Innovating in technologies and innovating in partnerships is is really sort of an exciting place to be in right now. Yeah, um, curious about the ecosystem uh, perspective. You, you can you talk about some of the value that that ecosystem, those ecosystems bring to the uh, to you know, these companies, and also how how does the water play into that ecosystem? Sure. So there is a uh, accelerating movement to quantify natural capital. So, you know, what is natural capital? How is it important to your business? And, uh, and water is a key aspect of that, you know, as is things like biodiversity, uh, you know, and, and, and so on. But uh, it's, it's really understanding what nature brings to your business and, and putting a value on that. It's, you know, the, the tragedy of the commons. You know, if people right. don't pay for it, then uh, it runs the risk of being neglected, essentially. So 
you know, especially in the, in the beverage sector right now, in the food sector, you're seeing companies start to understand and, and quantify the value that a watershed brings to their business in terms of filtering water, treating water, having water available for agricultural production, and starting to work with stakeholders in uh, becoming stewards of, of that, that resource. So uh, that's essentially the tip of the spear right now in terms of understanding natural capital and, and the role that water plays in that. In terms of th- this n- relatively new concept of the businesses really valuing and placing a value on water and the ecosystem and things of that nature, you know, where where do you see that going? What what's the adoption rate, and where do you see that that going? Yeah, great question. Uh, so, you know, I, I've seen a, a significant. Uh, increase in not just dialogue, uh, but actions associated with water-related risk and, and opportunity issues. And, and I think a good place to start is take a look at uh, the CDP okay. uh, water program. So if you go to cdp.net, uh, uh, you can download the uh, Global 500 and the uh, S&P 500 reports that will talk about how companies are understanding water-related risk, but also identifying business opportunities. So it's a pretty good uh, measure of how companies that participated in the CDP program uh, are viewing water-related issues. And, and what we've seen is, is really an increase in the, uh, the, the depth and breadth of understanding the issues, and, and actually companies are uh, you know, talking openly about what some of the risks are to their business, potentially, and, and how they're addressing these risks. So you know, that's a good starting point, and I, I think what it does reflect is just this increasing recognition that, you know, water's a, a business issue and, and trying to figure out how to how to manage it effectively. Okay. You know, we've had, you know, we've had a, a decade plus of looking at uh, energy and greenhouse gas emissions, and, and most multinationals, uh, if not all, have some, you know, energy, greenhouse gas uh, strategy, and, and what you're seeing now is that water is becoming part of the corporate sustainability agenda, and then also becoming part of the uh, overall business strategy agenda. So, you know, how do you uh, factor in water risk into your business growth strategy globally or, you know, are there new products and services that you want to uh, invest in to address uh, quantity and quality issues? Okay. Real quickly, uh, you mentioned the CDP um, organization. Can you, for those that are not familiar with that, could you just give a real quick thumbnail of who, what CDP is? Sure. So it's a, a UK-based uh, not-for-profit, an NGO. And for, well, I want to say at least 10-plus years, they've been focused on uh, sending out a questionnaire, uh, a voluntary questionnaire, to global companies asking them to comment uh, and report back on uh, greenhouse gas emissions, climate change risks, uh, and they're doing that on behalf of several hundred investors, institutional investors that care about these issues. So they're essentially a conduit for these uh, investors that are interested in this as a uh, potential risk issue. So a little over three years ago, that same group, the CDP organization, started a water disclosure program. And it's basically the same construct. It's, you know, they, they have... Uh, I think a thousand companies last year that they sent out the questionnaire to, and again, it's voluntary. You know, companies can not respond to it, 
Uh, and if they do, they basically fill out the questionnaire and they say this is you know, how we view water as a business risk or we don't view it as a business risk, uh, and this is why. And uh, that information gets published in a report. And uh, you know, what we're seeing is that investors are paying attention to that in addition to other stakeholders like other NGOs and civil society and, and other businesses. So it's uh, an interesting snapshot into how a subset of companies are viewing uh, water. Interesting. Now, what what are the um, industry sectors that seem to be most responsive to these CDP questionnaires? And can you talk a little bit about uh, the, just water usage in these industry sectors in terms of uh, who, what industries are paying most attention to water usage and water scarcity? Sure. So um, historically, you've seen the food and beverage or, or consumer uh, discretionary com- consumer staple sectors uh, pay quite a bit of attention to it for a number of reasons. You know, it's the uh, agricultural input supply chain piece that uh, historically has been a big driver. So, uh, you know, it, it makes perfect sense. They're, mm-hmm. yeah. they're using water in their products. Uh, you know, in some cases, it's a visible component of their products. So uh, they've probably got the longest track record in terms of really trying to understand water-related issues and then how to uh, not just manage but be a steward of water. Uh, but what we've seen is that other sectors are now uh, paying more and more attention to that. So you're seeing that in manufacturing sector, you're seeing it in the uh, power sector, you're seeing it in the uh, energy sector. And, uh, you know, some companies are actually uh, getting out there and, and really talking about this is how much water we use and this is how we're managing it. You know, we're becoming more efficient and re- reusing and recycling water and so on. So um, historically led by consumer products, but okay. uh, the other sectors are uh, paying more attention to it, you know, driven by scarcity issues. You know, and in a lot of ways, they're uh, collaborating together uh, through collective mm-hmm. action programs. So you'll see uh, food and beverage companies working with uh, manufacturing companies, oil and gas companies, uh, you know, service companies, uh, whoever, within a particular watershed to, uh, you know, really address some of the, the scarcity issues. So, Will, this newfound attention that's being paid to water, is that coming truly from the business side is that coming from the investor side, like uh, CDP, as we talked earlier? Um, and does social activism play any role in that? Sure. Uh, you know, my take is that it's all of the above. Okay. So uh, there's no shortage of moving parts in terms of, you know, <laughs> folks that are paying attention to it. And, you know, I mean, we're sitting here in Denver. You know, water has always been, uh, you know, essentially the lifeblood of the state, you know, the economy. And, you know, what we've seen in the past several years uh, from the drought is that it's really just putting a, a, putting a fine point on the importance of, of water to, uh, you know, the economy and, and, again, ecosystems and, you know, domestic use and the agricultural sector and, and so on. So uh, it's, it's really coming from a lot of different places. Uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, I tend to focus on the commercial side, so looking at how businesses are thinking about the issue and, uh, partnering with those other components to really come up with viable solutions that benefit everyone. But, you know, it, it's coming from NGOs, you know, the non-governmental organizations. Uh, it's coming from the public sector. It's coming from, uh, you know, state, federal government, local uh, utility sectors. 
you know, water utilities are obviously paying attention to things like conservation. Um, and then, you know, some of the major uh, industries that are important in, you know, your particular location. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's sort of this perfect storm, uh, if you will, of uh, folks paying attention to uh, an issue and, and being creative in terms of what the solutions look like. I think historically this has been a supply side equation mm-hmm. uh, issue, which is we'll just get more water. Some of these companies that are voluntarily reporting to uh, CDP, are they also putting a section on water in their annual reports that they send to their shareholders? Is, how, could you talk a little bit about how they're in, how these companies are interacting with their shareholders on that level? Sure. So some of them do. Okay. And uh, so, you know, many companies now publish a sustainability report or a uh, corporate social responsibility report or corporate responsibility report, whatever yeah. you, however you yeah. want to name it. That, that really bundles non-financial reporting information, you know, talking about environmental matters, you know, how they're engaging with their supply chain, uh, governance issues. Uh, so water is part of that dialogue. Again, depending on the, the sector that you're in, you would place, you know, either more or less emphasis on it as a, uh, you know, important part of your sustainability program. Some companies actually publish a, a separate water report if mm-hmm. it's, you know, that embedded into their business. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, pretty clearly more and more discussion and uh, reporting disclosure dialogue around the topic of water, uh, especially because of the drought in the West right now and, and you know, the impact that that's having. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing that you brought up, a great point that you brought up. Uh, about the drought, how is the is the drought sharpening the focus? How's what's the drought doing in terms of of how these companies are are really paying more attention to water? Oh, I, I think it's uh, you know very much having an impact on on both the public and private sector side, and uh, you know I think everyone's looking for opportunities to collaborate through collective action. You know that's the term of art in, in the world of water to uh, basically describe how pretty diverse stakeholders come together and really try and come up with solutions. So, you, you know, you're seeing, uh, you know, online platforms to promote collective action to really identify who wants to do, you know, a conservation project within a particular watershed, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's really driven a lot more attention. You know, if you look at the media, it's just, you know, the drought is everywhere. Right. They, they say the, you know, there's the drought in California is the one that's been getting a lot of attention, but the, the drought in Texas is really starting to, to ramp up as well in terms of, of media attention. And, you know, so th- I think that that's just re- – those are real interesting issues. I know we're, um, we're coming up on time here. I know you're incredibly busy, very generous with your time to spend, spend some time and enlighten us on these issues. Uh, Will, where can people go to find out a little more about you and Deloitte? Sure. So uh... – Information about what we're doing in the world of water and the, both the private and public sector side, you can go to uh, Deloitte.com. Uh, we have uh, Deloitte University Press that has uh, had some recent articles, and uh, we'll have an upcoming article on water as a growth issue. So that's a good place to start. Uh, you know, certainly if anyone wants to uh, email me, uh, they can certainly do that, uh, wsarney at Deloitte.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, happy to provide some follow-up information and uh, connect, connections. Excellent. Now, and what's your Twitter Twitter handle? I know you're on Twitter. Very active. <laughs> uh, it's uh, 
at Will Sarney. At Will Sarney. Terrific. Okay, well, Will, thanks very much. Greatly appreciate your time, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be in touch later. Well, David, thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. You bet. Well, that was my interview with Will Sarney of Deloitte Consulting, and what a terrific guest. I hope you listened closely because he imparted a tremendous amount of information in the limited time we had to do the interview. So here are my key takeaways. Businesses and organizations are increasingly attempting to quantify the risks associated with water, and they're looking not only within their four walls, but also throughout their supply chain, and importantly, how their customers use water. Will's example of shampoo and and companies possibly looking to produce shampoo that required less or no water really drove this home for me. Another key takeaway is that businesses are increasingly recognizing natural capital and water plays a role in that natural capital, as does biodiversity, ecosystems, and the like. But Will mentioned that businesses are increasingly looking at this natural capital, which may not appear on the balance sheet per se, but still contributes to the business. Really interesting stuff that Will brings up, and it ties in with some of our prior guests, such as Marty Melchior and Ellen Wool who talked about uh, the value of rivers as an ecosystem and seeing those rivers um, having you know, intrinsic value rather than just seeing them as a conduit. The final takeaway I had concerned the voluntary reporting to CDP by businesses. As the number of those businesses reporting to CDP continues to grow, it demonstrates to me that more and more businesses are recognizing that water issues are integral to their businesses and that they're seeing the value in voluntarily reporting to CDP. As I'm sitting here today, I'm thinking we should do an annual breakdown of the CDP report after it's been issued each year. Now, we didn't even get into Will's work as an author during the interview, but please know that Will has written several books, and links to those books will be provided in the show notes at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 10. Please let me know what interested you about the interview by leaving a comment on thewatervalues.com or by emailing me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993. Finally, if you've been enjoying the podcast, again, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes and Stitcher and any other podcast directory on which you download the podcast. That'd be so very helpful in spreading the word about the podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast and to sign up for the Water Values newsletter, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. You've been listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with us.